Hello and welcome back to QC Uncut with Sean Leary. Uncut, unedited, uncensored conversation here with local newsmakers from all across the spectrum. This is the number one rated podcast in the Quad City because it's the only place you can go to get the whole story, all with the context in all the whole conversation. Um, if I make a mistake, here it is on tape. If my guests do, here it is on tape. It's all in context. You get to hear the whole thing. And today, my guest is Mayor Mike Tomes, the mayor of Rock Island. This is the third time Mike has been a guest on my show. When I first interviewed him, he was a candidate. When I next interviewed him, it was just after he had won the election. Um, and now I've uh, been in the office for a while. And so we're going to talk a little bit about um, how things have been and um, the city, the direction, the uh, direction the city is headed in. And I, as a uh, Rock Island resident, ever since I moved out to the Quad Cities, um, things had not been had not been going well. But I see some stirrings here, and um, tell me a little bit about that. I mean, we're starting to see a couple of things moving in the right direction. Where we've got you know the Douglas Park thing. I mean, it seems odd but like dunkin donuts big swing at least it's some business coming in um let's talk a little bit about some of the things you see and have seen uh, since the time you took over as mayor what are the things that you're most proud of what are some of the challenges that you think that you faced and how are you going to um face off against those Okay, very good. Glad to be here again. Uh, you know, we've had some great successes over the last couple of years. Uh, not that there weren't any uh, before that, but uh, we feel moving the needle a little bit. You know, there's companies like McLaughlin Body uh, that uh, is bought a building, spending some money renovating it, going to be adding 50 to 75 additional jobs. Uh, there's GTI out in Southwest Rock Island. Um, they're doing a uh, $8 to $12 million expansion. They're going to add about 100 new jobs. There's Agra Resources uh, taking over the old Coca-Cola building in Southwest Rock Island. And it's a Canadian company moving down, consolidating some of their uh, operations. And they're going to be putting in about 50 jobs, uh, along with, uh, as you mentioned, the Dunkin' Donut, uh, along with uh, um, Big Swing going to open up. Uh, Miss Bermani's, another uh, Nicole uh, with Miss Bermani's, has bought a building uh, in the district and is renovating it, adding some other parts of the venue to her uh, business, uh, including a rooftop uh, event center uh, that she's doing. So that's coming. Um, let's see. Oh, some gotten rid of some blight. Uh, Norcross, uh, old service rubber down off the expressway, is being demoed, a blighted uh, uh, warehouse or manufacturing business. Uh, Dorn Transfer tore down the old IH or the Caterpillar uh, building, got rid of that eyesore. So we're getting rid of some major blight along with some houses we've done. Uh, then on the residential side, as far as economic development, uh, we've sold uh, a few lots for $5, and people are building homes uh, on them. We had uh, more uh, homes built in 2018 than we had in the last several years combined. Mm -hmm. Um, So we've had some uh, success with the residential uh, construction. Uh, So we're seeing the needle move on some of these projects, economic development, Mm -hmm. uh, and that's a very positive thing. What do you think the reason is for that? You know, part of it is we're just hitting the pavement, pounding, you know, knocking on doors. Um, Part of it is that we're... uh, uh, Willing to be, uh, I'll say, aggressive and uh, creative on uh, some incentives to attract people. Uh, part of it is positive attitude. People are, are sort of saying, hey, they, they, they feel a different vibe. They feel some positive. Not just, and I don't want to make it sound that I'm the difference. We've got a different part of the city council has changed quite mm-hmm. a bit. Uh, the staff at city hall has changed quite a bit. So people are sensing that is a positive move. And so uh, people are taking an interest. 
Mm-hmm. One of the things that I find interesting, and we see this in Rock Island quite a bit, is the bipartisan nature of uh, cooperation between both the city council and yourself. Um, we also see it, and we'll talk about the, the courthouse situation as well in a little bit with the courthouse situation. Um, it seems as if people are very willing to cross you know, the artificial lines of party in order to put city first and a certain civic pride in regard to that. Is that something that you sense? as well um and i'm thinking as we mentioned before i mean you are a republican many of the people on the city council are democratic um, but it seems like you guys work very well together and and part of that uh conjoining tissue i think is just that you have a a strong passion about the city and a strong love for rock island do you see the same you know do you see the same type of cooperation or you know across party lines the party lines don't seem to really matter much when it comes to the city decisions you know, I can make a real short answer to say yes. I do see that. <laughs> um, and not expound on it much. But there's no doubt that I have seen it and feel it. And, and it's not just on the surface. It's sincere. Uh, it is, it is I, I think, that everybody working together. It shows that when you have the common cause, the same cause, of we need to make some improvements, we need to make some changes, uh, that you can do a lot of good things together. And so we've really never had, and I see, you know, we, being the city council for the most part, had this Republican-Democrat type of, or liberal versus conservative, or business type of uh, uh, debates. It's uh, really been a, a lot on the common uh, sense of how can we make it happen the best way. You know, and it's all about compromises also. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of the stuff makes sense. It's just when you talk about being sustainable and renewable and everything else, it makes sense. A city can save some, potentially save some money mm-hmm. by putting LED lighting in and by upgrading the boilers or air conditioners or uh, putting solar panels up and that sort of thing. If we can save money, why not? So it's not just because it's an idea from uh, someone uh, that's uh, more liberal uh, that uh, about climate change. It's, it's in some cases, climate change is part of the issue. Part of it is just saving money. Right. So that helps the conservative side of me. Right. And so it's called compromise. And mm-hmm. so I feel it's, uh, it's been a good working relationship uh, across the board. Have we had differences? Absolutely. does in every relationship. Sure. Well, yeah, I've had to find it fascinating because we're in a time right now nationally where things are so divisive and it's so entrenched on the extremes of both sides. And yet you look at the local level and... um I mean, knowing you and knowing Dylan, like Dylan Parker, a friend of mine, and you guys are very different ideologically on the spectrum, but you get along really well together and you work really well together. And I think that there's something to that. And maybe it's a microcosm of what needs to be done on the statewide and the national level where people overcome the ideologies of party first and instead work together for the greater good and to find the commonalities that they have. And even in the differences, you discuss them and find where the other person is at. And maybe they have a strength that you haven't, that you've overlooked. Mm -hmm. Maybe you have an opinion that they've overlooked and you can come together in a compromise. And I think that you guys are doing a good job in regard to that. Uh, What are some of the things that um, you see coming business wise that you're particularly excited about? I know that's something here in Rock Island we really need uh, property taxes. Are, yeah, they need to go down, and the way to do that, obviously, is you need to get business here. And so, um, what are some things that are on the horizon that um, you're, you know, that you can talk about um, that you're exceptionally excited about? You know, there's several things, and once again, as a lot of things, it's double-edged sword. 
But we got, we were looking for more revenue coming in. We're also looking at expenses that we can cut mm-hmm. and to help control their property taxes. But as far as economic development, we're talking to a gentleman. I can't get real specific. We're talking to a gentleman about uh, 50 to 55 townhomes to be, he's going to build in the city of Rock Island would be more residents. It's going to be more property taxes. So residential wise, we're in the conversation with uh, this gentleman right now. On that project, uh, we are talking to a company about the 11th Street one. Uh, it's too premature. We just started talking, so don't know if that's going to fall apart or not. Mm-hmm. But at least we are been talking to somebody. This is about the third company that we've been able to at least sit down at the table and have a conversation with. So we're getting some responses, but we have to have patience uh, for the right business. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are two that I'm looking forward to um, trying to, to, to come together. Uh, along with other areas of development, we've had some interest in the, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the Norcross uh, building can be torn down. Several people have been interested in that piece of land and building a, a light manufacturing. Uh, so uh, that's positive. Once again, I, I, the, the common root of the thing is people are coming and talking. They're mm-hmm. asking. It's not uh, that we're having to beat the doors down on everything. Uh, they're looking at the city of Rock Island. So those are positive things to look at. We are also looking at cost cutting. I guess, and you talk about property taxes in this thing, and, and looking, and not that I'm looking forward to this, but we have to do some serious uh, soul searching on expenses. And I gotta say, even to the point of core services. I've mentioned this several times in several different uh, reports is that do we have to look at snow routes? Rock Island's got a great program going as far as cleaning the streets. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe we have to make a compromise there. Um, the ambulance service, should we have it? Should we not have it? Should we consolidate fire stations? Um, do we cut back on police department? Uh, those are you know garbage collection. Is there something that we core services that you you don't want to mess with? Same token is we got to be conscious of the property taxes. And uh, you know as they mentioned, state of Illinois. Now this is not the city of Rock Island, but state of Illinois is second highest in real estate t- sales tax or raise real real estate taxes in the United States. Mm-hmm. Something's got to give. And how much to interject there? How much of that though? is due to the fact that Chicago is part of the state of Illinois, and obviously the property taxes there are sky high because it is a major metropolitan area. And so you see the same thing in California and in New York. They're skewed. The numbers are skewed because you have a major metro area that is it has an exorbitant cost of living. They are skewed, and that does have a fact. But if you look at just the communities around us in the Quad Cities, you can look on the Iowa side. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're quite a bit higher than the Iowa side. Sure. Uh, we are a little bit higher than Moline and East Moline. Uh, uh, Illinois side. So we're still not you know, competitive as we should be, even in the Quad Cities. So there, there's some work that needs to be done uh, on that. There's no doubt about it. Uh, you know, but we're working on that. It, it's, it's, once again, it's, it's, it's give and take. You can't keep spending. Um, you know, one of the biggest factors is, in, is the police and fire pension. Huge obligation on the city. That's state negotiated. City has nothing to do with it. We can't, we don't pick what the benefits are for the police and fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, the state of Illinois does. Uh, I'll pick party lines. At this point, Mike Madigan does. Uh, Speaker of the House, whoever's a majority and Speaker of the House does most of that negotiating. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're strapped with that. Not that the people don't deserve it. A promise made should be a promise kept. Mm-hmm. But it is increasing in the tunes of a half a million dollars a year every year between now and 2041. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what does that do? Where are we going to come up with that money? Half a dollar, half a million dollars more every year in income to cover that. That's a big nut to crack. Um, 
we'll get to an, an interesting situation in regard to that potentially uh, in a minute. Um, I'm looking out the window here in your office, and I'm seeing the illustrious and notorious uh, county courthouse. So let's get onto that issue, which has been emblazoned across the media recently, including here on on QC Uncut. Um, I've talked to one side of this, the the situation. Um, I've had uh, Bridget Ehrman on. She's uh, been a very well-spoken guest. She's given me some very intelligent uh, uh, discussion in regard to the reasons why we should preserve the courthouse. Um, I have invited people from the other side who want to demolish um, uh, repeatedly. Uh, I've reached out to them personally as well as put things on my Facebook and said this on my podcast a few times, but no one has come forward to you know, run the gauntlet on the podcast. Um, I know you fall on the side of um, renovation of the courthouse, or that's what it appears to be. Uh, what is your position exactly on the courthouse situation and what do you think it's you know, best to do for the city of Rock Island? You know, it, it's a delicate question to ask or answer, I should say. Um, I got to say that, and I'm going to take even the it, typical politician right down the middle of the road. It can go either way. How's that? You know, here's the, very deft, Mike, very deft. <laughs> but, but here's the deal. There's no doubt. Personally, I'm saying shame on those politicians and whoever's responsible for not maintaining it in the past. That's where, if we want to go back, now we can't undo that. Yeah, was it there? There was, there was just a report about how much money exactly they were given mm-hmm. to update, you know, to upkeep that, and did not use it. Mm-hmm. So, so shame on those people right. uh, for not doing that and bringing it to the public's attention, and maybe having to increase the pot because of that. And it else uh, may have been more sympathetic at the time, and it meant about smaller dollars than it is today. So. Uh, I, I keep saying shame on those, but that is also the fact is water over the dam. We got to deal with what we got now. Um, my biggest priority, and I think the citizens of Rock Island, the biggest priority is what do we want to see sit there as an entrance into our city coming off the Centennial Bridge or going on to Centennial Bridge? We do not want to see a blighted building. Right. Down or renovated, one of those two, but don't let it sit and rot. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and so. The city's taking the stance of not one way, that, not to save it, nor to tear it down. We're sitting there saying, as a building permit, for example, or demo, demolition permit, certain requirements have to be made. They have not met those requirements, so we will not issue the permit. It's not because we don't want to see it torn down. It's that they just haven't met the requirements. Mm-hmm. So once they meet that, we'll give the permit, and they go move on from there. Second of all, in a lot of cases, each municipality needs to make sure that they uh, behave and stick to their own uh, uh, responsibilities. The people in the community have elected the county board, and that's who's responsible for it. And so, who is it? Where is it for the city council to tell the county council mm-hmm. what to do? Right. You got to remember because it can happen the other way around. Sure, sure. Uh, and so, the citizens elected the council, and that's what we should act and what we think is best for the citizens of Rock Island. So, it's not really a place for the city to be meddling in the county's business. County owns it, maintains it, runs it, not the city. Uh, but we, they haven't maintained it. And where and you know there uh, I mean there are rumblings of legal challenges in terms of that and that again the longer stuff like this goes on the more it costs 
people in terms of legal fees, in terms of salaries being used and time, man hours being used in regard to this whole situation. Right. Now, the city can't uh, control whether it lingers on shorter or, or, or not. Uh, we have no control over that unless we want to, I'll say, break the laws and issue the demolition contract right. and, and, and permit. And I suppose then it could get demoed quicker. But that's not in our role. Well, then that costs us more money because then legal challenges mount against you guys, and then I have to pay it, and other taxpayers have to pay it. So thank you, Mike, for doing the right thing. <laughs> That's, we're trying to do <laughs> the Thanks right thing. Thanks for saving me money. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we are trying to save uh, people money, but the same token is that's that's part of our role. But mm-hmm. we can't the, – the, the other area that I guess I want to bring up with the county is they own all that land, and I'll say shame on them at this point for not being more public about what they want to do with that land. You know, they talk about, and they, they just kind of piecemealing it, and they talk about, well, we're making a park. Well, the ultimate goal is really now is a maybe a teen detention center be built on it after down the road, years down the road. And then potentially the county, the county administration building being over there because it's efficient to have it all together in one campus. And that may be, but then be upfront with the public on what your master plan is mm-hmm. and that you plan on doing this over another 28, 30 years or whatever it is. Um, and so the county doesn't want it to leave their hands because then they wouldn't have the options of doing these things in the future. Mm-hmm. So the, the county really doesn't have uh, an appetite to have that turned into uh, privately held hand, hands. That is not their intention. I don't think you'd even see that. Even if it doesn't get torn down, I don't think you'll see it get into private hands because that's not their intention. Their intention is to have a campus. Well, why not? Uh, there's, From what I've gathered... There are a few developers who are interested in it, who have sizable offers for it. That's money in hand. To me, I'm looking at this from a financial perspective, and as a, as a fiscal conservative, I'm looking at this and thinking, okay, we either pay to have it demolished, that's money out of our pockets, mm-hmm. or we take money from somebody else, and then it's their problem because it's... They've, they've bought the building or they've leased the building from the county or whatever. Either way, that's money. That's income as opposed to, you know, outpay with kind of a vague plan as to what's going to happen. A park just doesn't. I mean, as much as, oh, well, I love the environment and everything else. But we have Schwebert Park literally within walking distance, and it's a vast expanse of green space. It's not as if Rock Island, the downtown is this blighted area without any green space. Schwebert is absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't necessarily think green space is, is the, um, the answer. Um, why is it that it seems as if there's, there's a lot of lags in terms of selling it to a private developer especially for the amount of money that some of the developers have, have been offering to me that seems like financially the the wisest situation the wisest path to take i agree there's no doubt economically on the surface and in for the near future that is the best way to go have it in private hands pays property taxes there's renters in there there's more traffic that absolutely makes more sense i was gonna say spoken like a good republican mike and i used to be a republican so i'm an independent now but i yeah that's one thing that we you know as republicans you you don't mind the the private uh, coming in and taking over as long as they've got a plan to do it because then it helps out you know it helps out taxpayers and then it brings in revenue you've got people who are working there you got people who are coming down to you know and that sales tax so um, just seems like it's a the wise decision to do that i totally agree now i guess i try to be open-minded and i don't know all these for facts and, and, and ultimately i'd like to see it 
renovated mm-hmm. in private hands. Ultimately, that would be great. Me as an individual, not as mayor, sure. but as an individual. Um, two different hats, just to make right. sure the public knows that you got to, you know. I'm uh, speaking solely as an individual, yeah, not right. being mayor. And I, <laughs> and I have to be both. Um, I don't give up my private uh, voice right, just because right. I'm mayor. But the same token is, is that if you looked at it and just saying, if you owned it and had plans in the long-term future, even though you can get some revenue off of it now, then when you want to build a, a teen detention center or a new administration building, now you got to go out and buy land because you don't own the, the land enough land to do it on. Now you got to go buy land, you're going to spend money. Mm-hmm. And now you don't have the efficiencies of being all hooked on to the same other buildings or the efficiency of being in the same block, for example. So there could be some cost savings 20 years from now, 30 years, I'm estimating, who knows. So there could be some cost savings. So do you pay the price now for later? It's all uh, a crystal ball guess on what happens and the best way to make it happen. You remember that the money, they're, not take, they're taking money out of our pocket to pay off the bonds. Mm-hmm. But we've, we've already been paying for it. You've got to remember, if you go back in history, they borrowed $28 million to, borrow, to build the, the uh, jail. They increased our taxes to do that. Now they paid that bond down and used that, borrowed again to pay, to build the annex. They didn't increase our taxes to do that. Our taxes were not increased. It's the same bond payments they had before. They just didn't give us back the savings is what they didn't do. Now, once again, there's, there's a way how you ever look at it. There's no new taxes being taken to pay for the new building or to tear it down. It's just not, it's just extended. It's like refinancing your home. That's all they did is refinanced. Right. So they're making the same payments, just longer. And so I guess that, that's where I feel is that technically they're not, ta- it's not, they're not taxing us anymore, but they're not taxing us any less either. Well, I guess the way I look at it is, um, and I came into this entire situation fairly ignorant to the details to it. But the more I've learned the details to it, the more obviously I've formulated an opinion in regard to it. One, with regard to the teen detention center, I guess there would have to be some sort of um, information released that that is something that there is a definite need for here. And there is a definite need need one for one here in Rock Island. And even if there is, even if there's like, you know, the study comes out and, oh, my God, we are so desperately in need of a teen detention center. Well, and we need it downtown. Well, gee, if only there were another building that were open and uh, potentially available in almost the exact same location as the courthouse, almost across the street, Mike, I mean... There, oh wow, there is. I'm looking right at it. Mm-hmm. So I hope you're. I hope you feel safe. There aren't any snipers up there in the uh, in the bell tower. But seriously, literally, we are looking right out the window at this old church that could be leveled. And I don't see there aren't developers lining up to buy that and put it in private hands. If I'm sitting there with that building across the street, the county building, which has people who want to buy it. Mm-hmm. Can, will give me money for it, and then right across the street, certainly the county doesn't control that, but there are a lot of buildings in and around downtown Rock Island, including down this block further, that are fallow, that could be you know utilized, that could be demolished for far cheaper and utilized by the county to build a teen detention center or whatever. And really, this is a prime location. I'm look, if, you, if you build it down the street, there aren't a lot of businesses right down the street. If you go further down um, to, the, to the west, um, 
I think that would be a much better. If you really need a teen detention center, build it to the west. There's really not a whole heck of a lot down there. There's a bunch of empty buildings, honestly. Utilize that uh, that space, sell it off, and then build the tax base. Mm-hmm. And while you're at it, try and get somebody to buy the church. <laughs> get rid of that, too. You know, Sean, I, I agree with you totally. I have no problem. I don't think that's a good location for uh, uh, teen descent detention. And not saying it's a foregone conclusion. That's right. what's going to be there. But that's what's been talked about. Well, that's. I mean, you're coming across the bridge. Is that what you want people to see coming into Rock Island? Is oh, it's, here's beautiful Rock Island. There's the teen detention center, and there's the jail. And you know, no, nope. that's not what I want to see. And you're exactly right. So if I was writing the book, it would be that the courthouse stays, gets renovated private, and they build someplace else. If I was writing the book, that's what I would be pushing for. But I'm not writing the book. Right. County board is. And the building commission are the ones uh, uh, writing that book and that story and telling the story. And so uh, I can't do anything about it. But you are exactly right. Uh, that would make better. By the way, the church is owned privately. Right. Uh, I know. It's a different situation. It's a different situation. Privately. It's paying property taxes. Right. It's not the church still owning it. Right. Um, but uh, it, the, the sniper issue and the safety issue, I'm with you. That's BS. Okay, those things can be dealt with. And today's world, there's a lot bigger concerns and issues. I, I, I don't recall that. When was the last time we had a, Mike? What your mayor? Your mayor, you've lived here for a long time. When's the last time we had a sniper attack in Rock Island? When I heard that, I was just like, "Come on, guys, please." Someone could sit over at the abandoned church. If right. the courthouse wasn't there, sit at the abandoned church and be a sniper. Thought, and so it's a better bell tower up from the church, right. honestly, across the street in the privately owned church than the bell tower. There's, you know. It's just a way to add something else to the story that they want to tell. Um, the, 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 the true story is they just don't want to give up property, and they want, they, there are certain individuals that want it torn down. And there are certain individuals that are at this point are running it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's shame on them. I, I, I do agree with you on that altogether. I think that the prices that they've thrown out to renovate that building are bogus. Mm-hmm. Um, and I give the examples of they talk about asbestos and how expensive it is to remove asbestos. You do not legally have to remove asbestos. Now, if you're going to disturb it, if you're going to tear up the floor tile and do it, unless, yes, you do, because it's the glue in the floor tile. But you could put carpet over it. As long as the asbestos is a contained, it's still legal to have around. It's not poisonous. The poisonous is in the dust, in the, in the, in the air when it's created. It's not by sitting as glue. It's not by insulation in the walls or anything else. It's, it's harmless at that stage. And so asbestos does not have to be removed. It can be covered up. It can be contained. It can be removed also. It can be a combination thereof. So you do not have to have that expense automatically just say that's what it is. Um, so I think that some of their costs were... Right now, we also, I guess I was going to give another example, is uh, the state of Illinois passed historic tax credits. Sure. can be used by a private individual. So that can make it more cost-effective. They did not take that into their account. There's federal historic tax credits. There's enterprise zone that can be taken advantage as a private uh, individual. They did not take any of those factors into account with their costs. And so I think that's where the costs were uh, inflated uh, and not realistic. Now, are there some major issues with boilers and some of those things? Absolutely. But, um, so, but that's for a private developer to, to analyze and see if that's feasible or not. Uh, I've seen buildings that are a lot worse than that be fixed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, once again, I'll say shame on them for doing what they're doing to the building now to even make it more costly. Mm-hmm. They've now, to take the asbestos out, have literally torn the inside of that building up. Uh, they let the pipes freeze. They turned the electricity off. Uh, they took caulking out of the windows. Uh, so now that leaks. Uh, so the, the, unfortunately, uh, if 
there ever was a turning point, a turning point, we may be past that turning point now on being it economically feasible because of what they've done in the last month or so. So I think that's shame on them. I guess I'll go public with that. But once again, I got to say that's their business to call, not mine. I can call them out on it, but I can't change things. That's for the county board and the, and the building commission to make those uh, choices. Why do you think there's such a drive to demolish it? Of all, th- I mean, there seems to be this just without a, like you said, there's without a clear plan. Why do you think there's such a drive to demolish it? I think there's a few individuals that just want to make their mark. And they just that that's what it is. That's what they want, and uh, and so they get to put that a name on a plaque or whatever it is. They want to make the mark. They they they'll claim and put on it that they're doing the drive is economics. Uh, I disagree with that. I mean, one point six million dollars could be thrown back into the bonds and not you know reduce the bonds that potentially could reduce the taxes um, and sell it. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Economically, uh, their arguments I don't think hold that much water. So I think it's got to be individuals and personalities. It's the drive. Um, what do you think about Joe Lemon potentially? He's one of the big names that's been kind of thrown around as someone who's interested in renovating it. Obviously, he's done a good job with Abbey Station um, in the city. What do you think about him coming in as, as a developer on this, something like this? You know, I hate to call anybody out, good or bad. Uh, Joe's a great guy. I've met with him. I talked to him even before this. Uh, he's done a great job with the Abbey Station, uh, the Abbey uh, Addiction uh, in, in Bettendorf. Uh, great citizens, invested a lot of money in the, in the community. And so he could be a good potential one. He talked about doing Audubon School on 18th Avenue, Rock, Rock Island, and that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but there's other developers. The Restoration St. Louis. There's uh, uh, Sam yes. Eastap. There's yeah. there's there's a number of them. To a certain degree, you got to be careful. Sometimes people say, "Yeah, I'll do it. I'm in. You know, I'm in for five million or whatever it is, or I'm in to try it." Um, but then when they really start digging and doing the research, or go to be bankable and they find out that the bank's not willing to loan the money, mm-hmm. the story changes. Right. So you got to be careful on any situation like this. Um, is there the resources there to do it? Are they? Uh, how committed are they to it? Um, you know, if you if you sit there and say, okay, put up a ten million dollar performance bond mm-hmm. uh, to show your interest, nobody's done that yet, and that really makes the rubber meet the road. Mm-hmm. And so, if somebody was to do that, I take that more seriously than just somebody on a platform sitting there saying, you know, I'd be interested. Well, interested is one thing. Sure, There's, that leaves you a lot of outs. Right. You know. I couldn't get the tax credits. The bank said no. Uh, I found this issue with it or that issue that doesn't make it feasible. Um, so it's hard to say they're, they're on the line, ready to go. They're not. Restoration St. Louis has also done a lot around here, too. Um, and so that's an interesting, that's another interesting name uh, that's thrown into the mix. How do you think that that could happen? I mean, do you think if they were open about it and said, okay, um, let's, let's look into it. We're not taking dumb, and this is. I mean, if I were if I were in charge, if I ruled the world, Mike, I'd be, I'd take some time out. I'd basically take a time out, and I'd say, okay, we're not t- saying that we're not going to demolish it, but if there's some interest, we want to open the door to this and see. But we want tangible interest. We want if all these people are talking about it, we want to see some numbers on paper. So you got a month, or how? how what do you think a reasonable time? window would be to say to joe or restoration st louis or whoever it is um okay we're going to give you what how many how many weeks 
to come up with to get in there, take a look at it, figure out how much it's going to cost you, and to give us a number. Or to say to us, yeah, you know what, come to think of it, we're good. No. What do you think a reasonable time uh, window would be? I think roughly six weeks to eight weeks. Six okay. to eight weeks would be, uh, I think, get you pretty close to it. Um, there's no doubt about that. The, but you still have to overcome the issue. The Part of the reason I'm sure that they're saying that they don't want to do that, and they claim they have done that, but and listen to a few people. But ultimately, right now, in their minds, they do not want to have a privately owned property there. Whether the courthouse was torn down and bought the, somebody bought the property or with the courthouse, they do not want that to be private property. So until you get over that hurdle, there's no sense of taking the time. Mm-hmm. They've got to be able to, as a board, vote and say, saying, we will allow that property to be owned by a private individual or individuals. Um, and that it, that's the question I'm not sure I've ever heard anybody answer or or ask mm-hmm. is that yes there's developers and in, in, in time and everything else are you willing to have a private skip the safety issue say take safety out of it yeah because it's not an issue if you sell it then that's their problem well it's their problem sort of I mean you know what I'm saying though yeah, it, it's, it's close it's, yeah the other building's close and so you, you do have to be having concern about the uh, safety but that doesn't mean that you can't overcome that. For the asbestos, not the snipers. Well, but yeah, the you know, asbestos is easy to. Easy to you know, I'm talking about the safety, the reasonable safety issues, not the you know goofy made up That's right. things. That's exactly. But once again, we say they're goofy made up. They're not there yet. So you got to put your feet in their shoes. Sure. They still say that's a serious issue, and I say they being the judges, uh, for the most part, and the sheriff. That's who say. And once again, so how do you overcome those two things? Right. Safety as far as harm safety and the public as a private owning it. Right. Uh, you got to get over those two hurdles for the county to, to, to really be open minded to look at that. Uh, and so how do you argue those to overcome those? Overcome that. True. I would love to see the study on the, 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 the snipers and the number of snipers that we've got here. What was the other? It was snipers and what was the other thing that I can't remember. There was something else yeah, where I was yeah. just like. Oh, really? I mean, I don't recall there ever being a problem in regard to that in Rock Island. But. Of course, people can also say never, ever. And, and there's, you know, Columbine can say the same thing. It's never happened here, and it happens. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and so a number of places to say never. Sure. Yes, it's true. Sure. Never has it happened. Right. But there's a first. Right. And could you have eliminated that first with the issue? And I'm not defending them. Sure. I'm just saying is take it into consideration you the county or the uh, federal courthouse downtown davenport so given that mr mayor what are you doing to uh protect us from alien attacks <laughs> well we, in the city of rock island there could be we passed an ordinance and <laughs> <laughs> i saw ufo in shreveport park that's exactly i got a bunker over here no uh-huh. uh no and, and, and serious enough <laughs> once again it's controlled by the citizens, ultimately by the citizens, right. which can just tr- and then they elected the officials there. If you want to make a change, obviously you got to change the elected officials, mm-hmm. some of them. They're not all voting for this one way or the other. You need to do that research, and you need to uh, then find who you wish or not. Unfortunately, by the time the next election is, this could be too late as far as saving this sure. building. Uh, we're spending a lot of time on a county issue when I'm we're sit around the city. Um, but... Um, but that's what it, there's no doubt it's the public opinion has helped slow it down um whether they can stop it or not this lawsuit may 
that's another reason the city stays out of it. We don't want to be on the other side of that lawsuit. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Again, thank you. Because, yeah, what you, that starts, you know, running the tab on our taxes, too. So That's exactly. So uh, we're best staying out of it um, and uh, just assisting where we can on both sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, wait and see. Let's talk about a renovation project that actually is working, and that's Douglas Park. Then um, that is such a cool development. Why don't you talk a little bit about how that got started and what exactly it's going to entail, and when you're looking at you know, the grand opening, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it got started several years ago. Uh, actually, a little before I even probably took office. Uh, it got started that um, the uh, John Grip uh, at that time, the new uh, Park and Rec director, uh, grew up in that area and felt that that was a, a great gem to have. He remembered it as a child, and so he put a focus on it. We did a study on all the parks, mm-hmm. and that one didn't rate real high as far as usage and everything else. But then if you look at it, why? Why didn't it get used anywhere else? Well, it was run down. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't safe. It, you know, there's a lot of things about it. And so uh, he saw the diamond in the rough, if you want to use that cliche, and, and said, hey, let's work on this. And he put together, like they did at the Hallberg Center, is uh, Friends of Douglas Park. And said, hey, the city in itself doesn't have uh, all the funds to be able to do it and do it on a timely basis. But if we partner with the public, I think we can. And he did. And raised hundreds of thousands of dollars of private money. That's what I want to emphasize, that the renovations you see down there, a majority of the dollars so far and in the future here are private dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, it's working. They started with the main ball field. And this last year completed that part of it. Uh, it looks great. Uh, then they finished the end of last year with the concession stand and the parking lot, making ADA com- uh, compatible and everything else. And now we're working on the rest of it. Um, and so it, it's gotten such great reviews and um, the number of users has increased dramatically that we want to continue that success. Uh, each neighborhood needs and should have a nice park mm-hmm. to be able to play in. we got Shriver Park down here, and, yeah. and you, then, uh, like I say, you got Douglas Park, and you can go around the, the city with different parks. Um, and then, uh, you know, we learned applying for some grants, and we're very fortunate to get these last two grants of $250,000 apiece, $500,000. It's a lot of money. It's, it seems like, man, it takes that much to fix up a park. Unfortunately, it does. Right. Uh, um, you know, the, the, the equipment, the gym equipment you put out there and everything else, the jungle gyms and all that, today's liabilities and everything else, and the way there was a design, they're not cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, maintaining it. But uh, we're getting uh, some great uh, responses from that. Uh, so we're into phase two and working on uh, the rest of the land there to fix it up. And phase three then will be the old firehouse down there. And we're going to get a knit renovated and make a, a learning center, an NFL firefighters museum type deal, but, you know, as a learning center. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll uh, then cap it out. Uh, so it's been a great um, response from the public. Mm-hmm. They've not only said, yeah, we want it, they put their money where their mouth is. Right. And so how can you turn that down? Some more good, good news is uh, statistics just recently came out, and the crime keeps on going down in rock island the crime numbers keep going down um obviously there's some uh, highly publicized crime going on in davenport but we in rock island despite having the reputation can i still do i still meet people in the quad cities who are like oh i don't want to go to rock island why <laughs> there's really it's not, there's not it's not the crime ridden uh, you know cesspool that uh, some people tend to think it is in fact it's 
the, the statistics are showing more and more Rock Island is becoming a safer a safer place. Uh, how would you like to comment on on that in terms of that, and what do you think uh, the reason is for it? You know, I um, I think it's great, and, and you know when people uh, uh, stereotype and you get a stigma uh, about you, and, and it happens with individuals. Uh, that once again, and I'm trying to pick the right example, but um, so uh, maybe I had a drinking problem back when I was a kid and everything else, and boy, that could live with you for the rest of your life, mm-hmm. even though I haven't had a drink since then. And I, by the way, I don't have one. But <laughs> <laughs> it's an example. You'll see the headlines, Mike. Yeah, exactly. It's an example. Mike Tubbs admits former drinking problem. Uh, <laughs> as a kid, we all drank a lot. But, well, yeah. uh, but, but the issue is you carry that stigma for a long time. It's very, very difficult. It's, uh, why society's that way, I don't know. And you go back to the loony days and the 20th Street and, and, and those type of things. People make that live on forever, no matter how much marketing you do in your else. And... It's too bad. So that's what people keep on hearing. And about the time you get the tide turning, you have a shooting or something like that. And it's like, dang it, you know. But, uh, but our crime rate, and especially violent crime has, crime, has dropped dramatically several years in a row. We'd be a little tough to brag about it because, boy, it doesn't take much to turn around. I mean, sure. Davenport had a good record going, and, and things uh, went south, unfortunately, for the last couple of years there. But what we really feel the success is uh, is the involvement in the neighborhoods. Uh, and involvement by all departments. People think of the police department to start with, and they have. They get on the bikes and ride through the neighborhood. They play ball with the guys, their kids. They talk to the uh, neighbors. They go door to door talking to them. Um, and, and they get involved in activities and picnics and everything else mm-hmm. in the neighborhoods, which is great by the police. But our economic development department also gets involved in the neighborhoods. And we help with the CCC, the uh, Community Caring Conference, uh, conference uh, that Amitra runs. Uh, we go to her, her. She's got neighborhood picnics that she does, several of them throughout the neighborhoods. And we, we show up at those and have a booth and tell people we're there. We have a dunk tank. Um, the uh, fire chief was in the dunk tank mm-hmm. uh, at one of them. And so uh, we're really getting more and more involved, all departments of the city, getting involved in the city, in the neighborhoods, um, showing that we're concerned, helping answer questions. Uh, understanding some of the needs. Uh, so I think that that is helping crime rate along with positive attitude in the city. Um, let's talk about something that crosses over a little bit about that um, and some of the other things that uh, kind of are on the same page. Legalization of marijuana. Um, I've talked to a lot of local cops and a lot of police officers are very against legalization of it. Um, it seems like it's uh, going to happen, certainly. Uh, Governor Pritzker has made strong uh, overtures in that direction, that he's going to legalize it, and it looks as if it's going to become legal in Illinois sooner rather than later. Uh, how do you feel that's going to impact um, Rock Island, the state, uh, but more specifically here in the Quad Cities and in the Rock Island in general? Do you think... What what do you think? Uh, in what ways do you think it's going to have a positive impact? In what ways could it potentially have a negative impact? You know, uh, the, the positive that everybody's talking about out there is some of the financial woes uh, of it, and um, so uh, I guess that's a positive. Is that potentially could bring in some more revenue? Now it's going to be interesting to see what the state sets for its tax rate uh, to be able to tax it, and is there any room for the city? How much of that is the state going to pass down to the cities, and do we get to tax it? So those are still unknown mm-hmm. on how much money that is. But that's a positive, I guess. Right. Um, and, you know, negative. And i got to say, I'm on the fence to not favoring it 
against it. I, mean, I can't say that I'm strongly opposed as far as myself personally. Um, I have concerns over safety. Uh, I just, you know, alcohol, obviously, has been drinking over a limit. They, they can test for that limit and what it is, and they have sure. so, sobriety tests and all those type of things. Um, but marijuana, they haven't got that all figured out yet. Mm-hmm. And how long it lasts in your system. You know, once again, they use a urine analysis that can last for 48 hours. Um, but if you do a hair analysis, it can be 30 days. And then what level is under the influence? And how easy can they tell measure and how quickly can they measure uh, what that amount is? So if there's, is car accidents going to be increasing? Are accidents at businesses going to be increasing because of it? That's something I'd really like to see, that, and I, I don't know the data on it. I'd be curious to see the data from Washington, Nevada, California, Colorado, these other states that have legalized it, to see if the rate of incidence has gone up in terms of accidents. That's, that's a good question, and I, I would be interested to see. And also, how have they combated it? Because they've had it legal longer than we have. So, you know, we've got the advantage in that we're kind of, you know, we're not – Right at the forefront, we can look at some existing statistics in terms of, you know, how it's been done in the past. Correct. Now, and I don't know this all factually, but uh, if you want to, I'll quote Google, give them Google Colorado. My understanding, the, the governor in Colorado has had second thoughts. Now, I'm not saying his legislators have, but he has, mm-hmm. because my understanding is that their uh, uh, theft rate and, and crime rate has gone up and accidents have gone up. Now, whether they've been able to relate it directly to that or not, I'm not giving any facts. I don't know. But that's one that I've uh, rumored, heard it, that, uh, that they are starting to track that and, and, and I'm not real happy with the numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, for that, I'm a little concerned. You know, and then also it gets to the point that you get <laughs> several cities addicted on the income that it brings in. Sure. So even if we try it and it helps pay all the bills, but there are side effects mm-hmm. to it, these accidents or whatever, can we afford to give it up? Sure. Uh, you know, it's kind of, wait a minute, we are now spending this money on new things that will have, you know, we can't afford to give up. So we, you know, you can't do it. Gaming's the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that's the uh, problem is, is that, uh, is it going to be, you go down that road, is there any turning back mm-hmm. if it doesn't work out? What about other state decisions that could be coming down from Springfield that would impact Rock Island? Um, what do you see as being something within the next year or two that you think is going to have an effect either positively or negatively on our city? Minimum wage. Well, yeah. uh, and, and then I'll talk about benefits at this point, uh, public benefits, uh, like the police and fire. Uh, those affect the, the cities a great deal that they decided in Springfield. Uh, and then minimum wage is, is another one that I'm concerned about. Now, there, obviously, there are two sides to minimum wage. One, if the minimum wage goes up in Illinois, which it'll be an incremental thing going up to 2025, um, that will draw people, more people over from the adjoining states. And that's another thing where we've seen this happen in other states before. So we can look at the data and see what happened in the other states when the minimum wage went up. Did it help them? Did it hinder them? Did it bring in more tax revenue? Did it draw workers from other states coming over to make more money? Um, it's, and that's what I'm curious about is whether or not, you know, what does the data show um, thus far? And, you know, based, based decisions and opinions on facts rather than, you know, conjecture. Because um, you can look at it both ways. You can say, well, well it's, it's, you know, going to be a hindrance to smaller businesses. But from what I'm gathering, uh, they're putting in a codicil so that you've got a training rate 
which another it's another you know great people have is that I don't want a fast food worker making more money than me or blah 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 blah. Um, well, they have a trainee rate for like 15, 16 year olds who are getting a job at McDonald's, um, and it's lower than the fifteen. Uh, also, um, they have uh, a codicil in there in regard to businesses that have under fifty employees, and so like the business, a lot of the businesses here in downtown Rock Island that don't have a lot of employees, they're not going to be hit by it as hard as um you know like deer for example um although i'm sure deer is people that are making a lot more than 15 dollars an hour but nevertheless um how do you you know how do you see it i mean based upon data that you've seen in states thus far because you had a devilish grin when i brought up data from other states so i don't know whether there's something in particular you got there in your pocket so what do you what do you what do you see it what do you, you know doing in terms of uh, impacting us locally you know, uh, I see it mixed bag, and I got to say once again, almost like marijuana. I can, I, I want people to make a good living, sure, and I think they should and, and deserve that, uh, and for a hard days work and, and that sort of thing. So I don't want to take that away by any means. Yes, you will. I think you'll see more people coming to Illinois to work. The question is if the if the owners of the businesses increase their prices, and it's if I'll emphasize that if they increase their prices to cover that. Will people shop mm-hmm. or buy in the state of Illinois? There may be workers there because mm-hmm. they make more, but are you going to have more shoppers or not? Chances are you're not, especially right here in the border uh, state. So that's a concern: is whether you're going to, you know, draw that. You're going to draw workers, and uh, and that's going to be that's positive. Is that, is that your opinion, or is that based on data that you have, though? That is, I talked to Countryside, Illinois. Uh, Cook County passed a minimum, higher minimum wage. Don't ask me how long ago, but several years ago. Mm-hmm. And they had in there the option of each city in that county, in or out. Countryside chose to go in and be and take the higher uh, uh, minimum wage. And I talked to the mayor up there, and um, he says at this point his revenue went up. Now he said, I said, why or how did that do it? He says, well, the prices went up. So he said that, that truly the bought McDonald's, so to speak, or the and we use everybody uses those, but the prices got higher, and you got a percent your sales tax is a percentage, course, yeah. So you yeah. get more money, right? So revenue for the city went up a little bit. Um, workers started flooding to his city because mm-hmm. you're going to get paid more, but the actual number of people shopping uh, was was insurmountable. There wasn't a lot more people. Um, he did still have some businesses open up. They did not scare people away to the point of no new business. Mm-hmm. So people exaggerate. So I'm not going to say there's no new business, right. but it could have slowed it down. Right. Don't know the fact on that one yet. Right. Um, so they had a mixed bag up there, but overall, the mayor of Countryside, he was for it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it worked uh, for them. Uh, the issue is you got to... Uh, so I guess that's the response I've seen or heard. The other is... The nonprofits and in I'll say even the city, you talk about taxpayers' money. Mm-hmm. Our park and rec department, for example, has a lot of casual people, even over the age of eighteen, sure, uh, and everything else that we're, we're, not, we're not paying that high. Uh, it's going to affect us by at least one hundred and fifty thousand dollars the first year. Mm-hmm. Not taking it right to fifteen, the first year. Um, where's that one hundred fifty thousand going to come from? Taxpayers. Mm-hmm. You know, whether you say it comes out of the coffers, it's still we get it from the taxpayers. Right, right. So now, now, what, where are we going to come up with that money? Do we have to raise taxes to, to pay for that? Uh, is an issue. That just is at a city level, and that's just each year that goes on. And I say Park and Rec because they're the largest department that has that sort of thing. There's a few other departments that affect. 
uh, and let me digress for a minute, is that it's not only the person going up to the $12 an hour and then the 13 the 14 but you got to remember that wage compression. There's some people that are maybe at $15 right now that say, wait a minute, I'm supposed to be making $3 an hour more than the right. other guy, and now you got to take mine up because you took theirs up. Well, yeah, it's a rising tide. I mean, that's the, thing. That, that's the, the counter-argument to people who go, well, I don't want, I'm an EMT and I make $15. I shouldn't be making the same as a McDonald's worker. Well, no, you should be making more. That's the minimum. The bare minimum, you should make mo- a certain percentage more than the minimum. So, so now you got to pay them more. Right. And once again, in a city, where does that money come from? The taxpayer. Uh, so that we can't raise our price. That's our price raise. Right. Or we cut the expense someplace else. So do we cut number of employees or raise taxes? But as you mentioned, I don't, and that's the thing is I just don't know the numbers is how much more sales tax could you potentially generate by people having more disposable income? Right. Because then that, that raises money for the city. You got to remember the city of Rock Island. Let's talk about that specifically. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have many sales tax dollars. Right. We don't have much retail sales. Our retail sales dollars are probably, our tax is probably about $3 million a year. Moline's is $15 million a year. So there's the disparity. See the disparity there. So ours may go up, but how much? If we had a lot of retail, it would generate a lot more dollars. But we don't. City of Rock Island doesn't have a lot of retail. Mm -hmm. And so we're on the the downside of that. We have, what we have in Rock Island more is the manufacturing type of jobs that don't generate any sales tax dollars. We have a large uh, gun auction place that doesn't generate, it's the world's largest in dollars, Mm -hmm. but doesn't generate a dime in sales tax for us. Mm -hmm. So we have businesses, but not sales tax businesses. Mm -hmm. And so that's the problem for the city of Rock Island that we could be fighting. Mm -hmm. But then you even, let me just jump to nonprofits. YMCA, the Child Abuse Council, pick any, which one of them. And once again, they have to start now paying more. They're, they don't get the tax deduction like a private company that's less than 50 employees can ta- have a, some tax credits and that sort of thing. They don't, they don't pay taxes, so they don't get that. But yet they got to expend the cash to pay those people more. Right. And so where do they get that money? Either have to do, the state has to give them more money or they got to do more fundraising for the private individuals. We all talk about the for-profit there, there are a lot of executives for not-for-profits that are making some decent, a lot more than $15 an hour, too. I'm not talking executives. Yeah. I mean, my daughter, I guess, works for the Child Abuse Council, mm-hmm. is what they call a doula. She has four doulas that she's responsible for, making $30,000 a year. It's interesting that you, your daughter's a doula. That's, <laughs> I never knew that. Um, but what I'm saying, and, and, and she's probably he listened to this and said, "What the hell are you bringing me up for?" <laughs> but, leave me out of it, Dad. <laughs> what I'm saying is not executive. So I mean, once again, minimum wage, and not even minimum wage. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's got to, Those are going to go up. Where's that money going to come from? And then you even take the people that she that report to her are making less than that. Mm-hmm. And so where's that money come from? And I don't want to sound argumentative. It's unseen and unknown how those things are going to affect agencies. Right. And that's one that's an interesting question is that you should be argumentative about it. it. People should be more argumentative in terms of looking at the actual facts of a situation and asking themselves. I mean, you'd have to look at the books of each of these not for profits. It's grotesque that you have somebody like, like I mean, not a local company, but Jeff Bezos is making billions of dollars a year. Is he really worth that much more than, you know, I think he was, they were talking the other day, the Walton family makes like $27,000 a minute or some ungodly amount. And $27,000, that's like, you know, 
and then they're complaining about minimum wage. So yeah, you've got companies like that, and I think they can afford the $15 an hour. Um, but yeah, there are other companies that, I mean, it, it's a symbiotic system. You have to look at all the different circumstances and make, um, you know, make concessions for those that, that need them in order to, to keep the system going. So the majority of the businesses in the United States are small businesses. You can take the Amazons and the Googles and everything else, and they're making big money, and the John Deere's and that sort of thing. And those people up there are making big money. But a majority of the gross product made in, in, the, in the United States and employees is small to medium-sized businesses. Mm-hmm. So we can't make sure that we don't use it as a broad brush the executives that are making three, four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars a year or a million dollars a year, whatever. It's a, it's a big, broad brush. There's mm-hmm. a lots and lots of people that are below that, business owners and that sort of thing are below that, and that are taking a re, what they call a reasonable wage for their business and everything else. Um, so we got to be careful that we got to make sure that we, we think about all aspects of it. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm saying I'm not totally against it, but I'm concerned that, once again, is it all thought out? Right. I'm, I'm on the same page with you. I th- with everything, I think you need to kind of look at all the, si- the situation, and whether it's a courthouse or the minimum wage or the marijuana thing. You've got to actually look at the data available and make a decision based upon the data that you have, because that will point the way. It may not be exactly the same way, because there are mitigating factors, but at least it'll give you a better picture than just basing it upon a gut feeling or an opinion. I can tell you're a friend of Dylan's, because you, you know, the person making the hundred million dollars a year should be spreading that out and everything else a little more socialist uh, in, <laughs> indication there but <laughs> you know eisenhower was a socialist too mike and he was a good republican and so is teddy roosevelt i seem to remember those two having a uh, a high marginal tax i believe it was 90 percent when ike was in office but uh uh anyway We'll wrap things up because you and I both have to have places to be. Uh, what, what would you like to close with? Um, look to the future. Anything else that you want to add that we haven't talked about? You know, I believe, and I'll specifically say talk about Rock Island. The Rock Island's future is bright. Uh, you know, you were sitting outside my office, and you were a business was looking at locating here, looking at uh, making a, a large investment in the community, uh, and so and there's a number of those coming in uh, every day. Not all of them pan out. Some do, but the positive is still positive. The, the situation is still positive. Mm-hmm. And so a uh, great outlook for the city. Financially, fortunately, we're stable. Moody's has given us a, a good rating. They haven't been continuing to drop us. And so I don't want to belabor a lot of things, but Rock Island is still a viable option in the community. With that being said, even the Quad Cities. We're good individually. We're great together as all the cities. Uh, I've gotten to know the other mayors and people in the cities and everything else, and wonderful people. And the community as a whole, the individuals and the citizens we have in the Quad Cities are very passionate and, and, and wonderful individuals. And so I don't want to sound like a politician, everything positive, but, no, it, but it really is true. If people come and visit here, the Quad Cities, you wouldn't know one city from the other ones you're driving through and around and everything else. And, and the passion that people have. And when, together, we can continue to do uh, good things. And so I guess I want to keep passing that positive word. We're going to have some setbacks, just like any livelihood in any household or anything else has. But um, the Quad Cities is strong and, and, and getting stronger. I agree. I agree, Mike. And, th- and um, as a Rock Island resident, um, I think you're doing a good job. And I, I like that's what the city council is doing, too. So it's good to see that. And 
um, nobody's perfect, but I think you guys are you know moving in the right direction, and let's keep that going. So, Mike Tomes, thank you so much. Mayor of Rock Island, thank you for appearing on QC Uncut once again, um, and look forward to having you on again as a guest to talk about some of the other developments as they uh, as they happen. And looking forward to getting a phone call from you someday about that 11th Street spot to tell me that we got a big box or something coming in there to to make some money. So, once again, thank you, Mike Tomes, for being on the show. Thank you very much. Let's do it again. Awesome. And thank you for listening to QC Uncut, uncut, unedited, uncensored conversation with me, your host, Sean Leary. It's the number one ranked podcast in the Quad Cities, and it's all because of you, the listener. Thanks a lot for listening. I'm Sean Leary. Have a great day.